Welcome to episode 121 of the Daniel Yoris podcast, Q&A number six. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, another Q&A episode. Thanks for being here. I, I enjoy doing these. I try and do them quarterly-ish. Um, and just know that you don't have to wait for a Q&A episode to ask me a question. Feel free to send me your questions about health and fitness, nutrition, mindset, motivation, you know, whatever, anytime. Uh, Instagram is probably the best place at Daniel Yoris if you're somehow not following me there already. Um, but uh, yeah, usually I'll ramble on a little bit about some uh, housekeeping something or other with uh, messing around with my camera setup or some nonsense, but not going to do that today and uh, let's just get into it. First question, we've got five questions to go through today and uh, and, uh, and that's that. Uh, first question, what level or type of pain should you push through? Great question, uh, relevant to anyone dealing with any type of injuries or discomfort uh, of any of any sort. So there's a difficult thing that needs to happen here. Pushing through pain is typically not a good thing. We need to start to understand the difference and the difference in the way that it feels in your body between pain and discomfort. There is a certain level of discomfort that is going to come with fitness and working out and just general. And that's okay. You need to go through that. You've got to kind of just like suck that up. Like, you know, the next day muscle doms soreness. Uh, That's just, it is what it is. and, And that's fine. And I think that we all, we pretty much understand that. Now, if something hurts and it feels like an injury, it's not something that you should push through at all. So it's not about how much pain you can tolerate because you, you know, you're a tough bunch and you can probably tolerate a significant amount of pain, but that's not good. It's not about who can tough it out the most and all that stuff. It's actually it's actually detrimental. So some things that you'll feel that feel like an injury, and again, this is subjective, totally different to any type of injury that you have, but some of the feelings, and again, you know, backing myself up twice here, but the 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 words you use will be different, and they'll they'll feel like different things to you. But if you say it to like a an experienced therapist or whatever, they'll they'll know what you mean. Sometimes it feels like something is going to tear or snap or break, and of course, you know, your body's not that fragile; like it's not just going to all of a sudden explode. But it feels that way, and so if you feel that sort of like, ah, if I push a little bit harder, I can do it, and it hurts, but it feels like something wants to snap or break or or, or pop here. That's not something that you want to push through at all. That is typically a sign of like actual pain, actual injury, and and do not proceed. Not proceed with caution, but do not proceed at that painful range of motion. Something that won't or that would be pushing through is just like a lighter version of that, which would just be a stretch. If you're pushing through something, you're doing, you're doing squats and your legs, you know, the muscles are starting to kind of like the muscles themselves are starting to feel like a bit burning or that lactic acid buildup feeling that's okay. And you can just push through that and and you probably should just push through that. Um, so it's really about understanding the difference in your body between what is injury and what is discomfort. So the answer to the question is don't push through pain. It's not a good thing. Now that doesn't mean don't work out at all because you're going to have some injuries and some little knickknacks here and there. And and that's fine. And it's normal and, and no par for the course. What it means is let's use the, the squat example. And we'll just continue to roll with that. I think I feel like I use squats for almost every example, but whatever. 
if you squat all the way down to the bottom, ass to grass, knees over your toes, full full range of motion squat, and something hurts there, your, your knee, your hip, your ankle, your back, whatever it is, then don't do that. But can you squat halfway down? If that's pain-free, then then that's good. And go ahead and continue to do that and, and use that exercise in that in that range of motion. Now, if squatting halfway down still hurts, can you do a squat to a box where you're sitting all the way down? Can you do a split squat on one leg? Can you do some type of step up or a leg press? So the real key here to training around injuries is training, is learning regressions and progressions to every exercise. You don't need to do a full on, you know, barbell over your head, overhead squat every single time you squat, but could you do a back squat? If you can't do a back squat, could you do a goblet squat? If you can't do that, can you do a half range squat? And so there, there are always ways to regress. Of course, this is where having a, a coach comes in to like, you know, help you out with those regressions because sometimes they're not always obvious. Um, but but that's what you should be doing around injuries as well as working with, you know, a qualified manual therapist who, who's close to you, who can actually get their hands on you and, you know, figure out what's going on. And this is very similar. If you follow me on Instagram again, I had a back injury recently that scared the shit out of me, to be honest, because I've never really had a back injury. My back kind of just like almost collapsed on me at one point, just picking up like a couple sticks, actually, like not like wasn't very anything very heavy. Um, but, but I went to see, you know, my athletic therapist, Carla, who, who have been on the podcast. She's been on the podcast a, a while ago and I've referenced her uh, many times. Um, and, and it was more of a muscular thing and not that big a deal. So it's just kind of something to work through. And so I've just, you know, we've been working on certain ranges of motion that are comfortable and that are not causing pain. And right now nothing's causing pain, but now it's just about reprogramming my movement to, to figure out, uh, or to, to prevent that same injury from happening again. And it's due to a lot of imbalances that I have due to some of my knee injury history and things that have progressed from that over the last 10 years, give or take. Um, so again, just to, to, to wrap this up, the level or type of pain you should push through is none. And when you start to experience that feeling of actual pain, that something feels like injury, you've got to back off on the range of motion or the amount of weight or something and work on a similar movement pattern, but just regress it again in range of motion or in weight to a point where it's not painful and then work on expanding that range back up so that over time you can then full squat or full deadlift or full bench press or whatever it is again, but you've just got to back things up until it's not painful. Question number two. Um, this one was from someone who's like a little bit of a, a newer follower, so maybe haven't heard more of the stuff or isn't in tune with um, in my attitude and, and take on things. But uh, so I'll give the snarky answer and then I'll give a real answer after. But um, the question is: With summer coming, there will be lots of social events, and that also means drinking alcohol. What are your best tips for staying on track while still including alcohol? Are there certain drinks we should or shouldn't have? Timing, etc. My best tip is to not drink alcohol. That's number one. And that's the snarky answer. But in reality, here, here it is. The, the best way to continue to drink alcohol and to continue to be on track and continue to make progress is to just simply accept that by continuing to drink alcohol, you are going to make fat loss more difficult and it will be slower. And that's just the truth of it. Now, the best tips... To include it is to, is to not include it. No amount of alcohol is good for you. I think that that is well established. I don't think that that is like something to be contended with uh, scientifically or whatever. You can try and make the argument that like, oh, well, it's about social and like having some fun and like whatever. And 
fine, I, I guess, but the alcohol is still not good for you physiologically in any way. So as far as certain drinks you shouldn't, shouldn't have, there are people who will talk about, oh, well, this, you know, clear alcohols, clear liquors and whatever have lower calories than darker liquors or than beer or than wine. And we can split hairs by that, but we're just like picking the slightly less bad thing of something that is bad for you. So it actually doesn't matter. If you're going to drink, and by all means, you know, do whatever you want, just drink whatever you want. Don't try and, and you know, be healthy by choosing tequila instead of beer. Like that doesn't, it doesn't really make any sense. You're being unhealthy either way. And that's okay. As long as you're, you know, making that decision with your eyes open, then again, do, do whatever you want. So I don't have tips for staying on track. If anything, if you want to have, uh, you know, a tip for saying no to alcohol is one, you know, you got to just be really honest with, with yourself and with the people who are around you and be like, Hey, I'm just, I'm just not drinking and understand that like, it's weird to poison yourself. It's not weird to not poison yourself. So like by not drinking alcohol, maybe, you know, societally you're the outcast, but that's not actually weird to not do something that is bad for you. And, and you know, your, your buddies might call you, you know, say whatever, and that's fine. And, and you've got to be willing to, to do that. Now, if you're in a, in a situation where, and listen, I definitely deal with this too. There, there are plenty of situations where I'm just like, Hey, I'm just not drinking. And like, you know, people give you a hard time, whatever. And it's fine. Not that I never drink alcohol. That's, that's not the case, but I'm really coming around to this idea more of like, I have very little interest in drinking a little bit. Like I don't want to have one beer or have a casual drink just because people are around or drinking and whatever. Like if we're going to drink, then like, you know, let's, let's have a bunch of drinks and like, if we're going to have fun, then let's have fun. And like, let's, let's do that. But other than that, it's like, I don't, I don't really, I don't really see the point in it for me. It doesn't help me in any way. I don't feel better by doing that. Um, and I don't think that anyone really cares in the end of it. So, um, it, it can be a tough thing to do. Now, one really great tip that I've heard recently, um, if you're in more, you know, cocktail environments, and especially th- this would be relevant for people in business who I know that there's a lot of, uh, you know, networking and you've got to, you know, schmooze your clients and, and all this kind of stuff, um, is just drink sparkling water, go to the bar, get a glass of sparkling water. Nobody is ever going to, no one's going to taste your glass and, and say that, Oh, you're drinking water instead of, uh, you know, an, al- an alcoholic drink. You can, if someone asks you say you're drinking, you know, gin and soda and nobody will ever know. It's just sparkling water and, and you get away with it scot-free that way. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, that that's a way to just skirt around the awkward conversation of telling people that you're not drinking and they have to give you a hard time because that's the way that our society is built. So I don't have tips for a better alcohol. I, I, I think it's a silly exercise to go through trying to pick the lesser of a few evils. I think my best tip is be really honest with yourself about what you want. Understand that by including that, and and this is the same thing as like, well, how can you have can you have chocolate cake every single day and lose fat? Yeah, it's just going to make it harder for you. So alcohol is the same is the same way. You can do it. It's just going to make it more difficult uh, for you in the long run. You'll still be able to do it. It will just take longer and it will be harder. So if you want that, then by all means, do whatever you want. Um, but if you don't, then then maybe just don't include it or or significantly reduce the intake. Um, not an easy one for some people based on, you know, social pressures and whatnot, but nothing is easy. So get over it or, um, 
or or just accept that that's going to be more difficult. Making good time, I think. Question number three. Are hip thrusts overrated? So there was a video of of uh, a guy named Mike Van Wick. Mike Van Wick, I think, is a really smart guy. He's from a Toronto-ish area. Uh, he's a trainer, bodybuilder, former bodybuilder, whatever. I don't want to you know put labels and definitions on him, but you know, smart guy. I like a lot of the stuff that he says. Um, and he, uh, he he posted this video talking about how hip thrusts are overrated. And I've talked about this kind of similar thing before, in in a way that you know you see a lot of girls, and it's typically girls because because guys don't load up on the hip thrusts as much as girls because you know guys are not as much into building their booty as girls are, which is a whole separate topic. And maybe guys should focus more on building their glutes, but not necessarily doing hip thrusts. I know many girls who can hip thrust a, a significant amount of weight, three, four, five hundred pounds. But their their squat and deadlift is, is shit, and they don't even have good glute development, and their backs hurt, and like there's these issues. But they can dead they can uh, hip thrust a lot of weight. It's it's kind of the equivalent, and I think as Mike said in the video, it's it's the male bench pressing guys bench press, but they have like you know bench press a lot of weight, but they have no chest, no they're not actually that strong in other lifts, and their body development is all over the place. So are hip thrusts overrated? I don't think that they're a terrible exercise. I think that they're just not worth pursuing as your main exercise because they don't seem to have a lot of translation to other lifts and they don't seem to have as much translation to actual just like pure hypertrophy for for whatever reason and that I don't know. And now you can find some examples of people with great butts who hip thrust a heck of a lot of weight. And of course you can't. You know, there's 8 billion people in the world. There's there's some outliers in there. Um, but I haven't, uh, it hasn't been the, the, the biggest successful or the most successful exercise that I see around. Again, I still think it's useful. It's useful for training the hinge pattern still in more beginners and, and whatnot, uh, learning how to feel your butt and feel your glutes. Sometimes you can do that, but it's a really easy exercise to to sort of cheat where you start using a lot of swinging and leverage and like other parts of your bodies to lift the weight up. Um, that doesn't actually end up using the intended muscle as much as you want. And so if your goal is just to hip thrust as much weight as you want, then, you know, again, do whatever you want. I'm not here to tell you what to do, but I don't know anyone who has a big squat who doesn't also have a big hip thrust. And I know lots of people who have a, you know, a big hip thrust and are weak elsewhere. So are they overrated? I would say yes, just because they're so popular. And I've recently started going back to like a commercial gym, just like a public commercial gym. And, you know, sure enough, I, which it's very annoying for me to be in that environment because I see crazy stuff. Um, but one thing that I see is a lot of the girls in there, they, they come in and they just like, they just hip thrust a, a pretty significant amount of weight compared to their body size or, you know, how, how heavy they are. Um, and that's fine. And some of them have, you know, good glute development and some of them, a lot of them not. Uh, I don't think it's overrated. I do think it's overrated rather. Um, I don't think it's totally worthless. That's a whole different thing. I don't think it's worthless. I think there's a time and a place. It'd probably work up to somewhere around like, you know, when, once you can hit two plates, I don't think it's worth pursuing like heavier than that. Um, I'd probably just start to choose different exercises or like increase the reps. But I mean, again, there's there's a time and a place for 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 everything, right? I I certainly have clients who hip thrust heavier than that for more reps. So and I, I'm okay with that. Um, 
so it's hard to say like black and white, but I think overall in like the grand, the big sphere of social media and like what is um, propagated and whatnot, I do think hip thrusts are overrated for uh, for a lot of people. Uh, I personally don't. They take far too long to set up and uh, they're not that comfortable and they don't have that much translation to other stuff that I'm working for or working towards for me. So I just actually don't use it at all. Um, and I think a better exercise would be an RDL, a regular deadlift, um, lunges, even kickbacks would be better because at least you're actually just isolating the glute and like using that thing alone. Obviously it's not like a big strength exercise, but still a good, good exercise. So yes, I do think uh, hip thrusts are overrated. Sorry. Question number four, killing it on the timing today. What do you think about the weight loss injections? I know you're not a doctor, but I value your opinion and thought process. So first of all, thank you for clarifying that. I, I, and I will just reiterate that I am not a doctor. Um, so don't take medical advice from me or from other people on the internet who are not doctors. And even if they are doctors, but they're not your doctor, don't just take medical advice from them. Now, I've, I've spent a, a bit of time learning uh, about these weight loss injections, um, the semaglutide and or semaglutide and whatever pronunciation you want to roll with and the uh, and the terzepatide the, the brand names are uh, you know Ozempic and Wagovi and Munjaro if you watch TV you've seen these unless you're living under a rock the 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 advertisements for these things seem to be seem to be all over the place it's actually interesting very interesting to me to to see uh to see it i'm not even sure what the legality is cuz typically like in Canada we don't really see um, commercials for for pharmaceutical drugs, but I don't I don't know what the rules are around this. Obviously, it's legal. I'm not saying it's not. I just I never you never really see advertisements for weight loss drugs, and all of a sudden you're just seeing it everywhere now. Um, or you don't see advertisements for any type of drugs. Rather, anyways, they've been around for a while. They, they didn't just get invented last week or or, or this last, past year. I think they've been around for like ten or more years, um, and they've been being used. I'm not sure. I, I know the the that the Kardashians uh, use them, and so that's probably uh, you know helped to to blow it up a little bit. Um, but I'm not exactly sure about why they, like, all of a sudden they're just they seem to be everywhere. Um, but such is the world. So what do I think about them? There there are two kind of camps that that exist about these. Um, some people think that they are evil, and it's like no, we shouldn't do this, and how dare you take that, and it's cheating, and it's unhealthy, and whatnot. And then there's people like, oh no, this is you know, this is a, the savior. This is so good. This is awesome. This is amazing. And typically, w- with everything, you know, we get these two sides. Everything is either really good or really bad, and we we fail to, as a society, you know, find a, a middle ground. And I think I fall somewhere in that middle ground. I don't think it's a good idea to rely on any type of medication for your entire life when you can avoid it. Obviously, there are conditions where it's avoidable, but if you can avoid it, you should. I think it's a good idea to try and do so. Um, however, with this, with these weight loss medications specifically, there are tons of people who have struggled with their weight for a very long time. And these medications may provide a solution to overcoming certain barriers that these people have. And so in that scenario, I think that they are a really good tool. I don't think they're the be-all, end-all. I think that they must 
be coupled with lifestyle intervention and anyone who's uh, you know even somewhat intelligent who who is a doctor who's who's talking about this stuff is saying the same things like hey these medications are good they work we see you know however much weight loss we see and like these are the you know so there's some side effects and these are the things that we see with these medications but the best patient outcomes are the patients who are taking the medications also making lifestyle changes in diet and exercise and just you know movement uh, activity levels and all these things and, and and in many cases also working with uh, working on their mental health and dealing with whatever emotional attachments they have to food or emotional relationship with food. The patients who are doing both of those things have the best outcomes long term because there are some people who are just taking the medication and who are not changing anything. And they'll still lose weight, but then they're just reliant on that medication. They're still not eating more nutritious food. They're still not exercising. They're still not whatever. So sure, are they getting healthier because they've lost a significant amount of weight? Like Probably yes, but are they having the best outcome possible? I would say no, because they're still not getting good nutrition and they're still not getting all the other benefits of exercise aside from weight loss. Weight loss is like a side effect of exercise. It's not even uh, of lifting weights and doing cardio and all this stuff. It's not even the main driver. I've spoken about this many times. The purpose of cardio is to train your heart. The purpose of weight training is to train your muscles. You can't train your actual body fat. That's not a thing that can happen. So the calories burned through exercise contribute to losing weight. For sure, they're a big piece of it, but it doesn't actually directly burn fat off your body and neither do the medications. Roughly the way that they work is they work on, let's call it, they work on your brain to help you eat less food is the simplest way to put to put it that I've heard it explained. They work on your brain to help you eat less food and that therefore makes you lose weight. So there's still no like magic pill that you take this and, and their injections, you take this injection and all of a sudden fat just melts away from your body. That doesn't happen. It changes the way that your body is working to help you eat less food. And that's a good thing. And that's how you lose weight. Calorie deficit. Again, we've been over that a million times. So I think that the weight loss injections are, I think, how to go about this. The person that I would think would be a good candidate for this, and again, not a doctor, blah, 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 blah. If you have a significant amount of weight to lose, like probably 70 plus pounds of weight to lose, and you've been struggling with it for, for like a very long time and, and you know more likely your, your entire life, if you feel that you have a really bad relationship with food and you tend to struggle with, with binge eating and these kind of things, I think it's worth a conversation with your doctor um, because it might help you overcome that. But again, I would also strongly consider if you're going to do that, you should also be hiring a, a fitness coach or an accountability coach or a lifestyle coach, whatever you want to call it, just to help you start to change your lifestyle habits so that this way you don't have to take the medicine for forever. And then when you do stop it, you'll have some new habits built so that you can continue to to live healthy. You're not going to lose all your muscle mass and, and you'll build up these new healthy habits to continue on the, the rest of your life. So that's kind of my thought process with it. I don't think that there, I know that there's some people who have kind of just like experimented with them for like, you know, losing, they're already relatively lean and healthy and like bodybuilder style people who have, you know, experimented with it to help lose 10 pounds. And I don't think that anyone's really said that that's like a really good use case for it. That's certainly not how it's like approved for, for use. Um, but obviously people will, <laughs> will, will do what they do. Um, and that's fine. I don't think that's a really good use case for it. I don't think it's going to move the needle enough in, in that sense. Um, but 
for people who have significant amounts of weight to lose and really have struggled with it for a long time and have some, you know, relationship to food issues, um, I think it's a really good tool to consider. But obviously, you got to talk to your doctor, see what's right for you um, in conjunction with any other medication that you may be taking. And I would strongly say or strongly recommend that you consider working on your lifestyle and and improving that because that's really going to be the biggest driver of change over the long term and this you know these injections these medications might be the might be the boost might be the little kickstart that you need and, and help just help get things going in a little bit easier way so i don't think they're bad i don't i wouldn't you know ever shame anyone for for using them or anything ridiculous like that they're not cheating i don't know who you would be cheating anyways it doesn't you're not in a in a sport, it's just your life. So if you're improving your life, then then that's a good thing. So I think it's silly. Um, and, and as a you know health and fitness professional, I think anything that helps people improve their life is is great. And so we can talk about all the strategies and don't have the cookies in the house and blah blah blah. Like we talk about this all the time. Some people still really struggle. So if this if this would help, then I would be all for it. If I had clients, I currently don't have any clients who are who are using it. Um, I've had some clients who, who have inquired about it, uh, just like asked me passively and like they, you know, they thought about it and kind of didn't really, uh, none of them have ended up taking it. It didn't make, didn't make sense for them to, to, to use after talking with their doctor and whatnot. Um, and didn't have like really enough weight. It just didn't make sense. Um, but, but, uh, you know, there, there's not, there are not no side effects either. So there's a whole bunch of things to consider. Um, overall, I think that they're a good tool, just like a lot of things are good tools. They're not the best thing for everyone, but they could be really, really good and really life-changing um, for a few people. So if you uh, if you think that it's a, a thing that might really help you and you struggle with some of these things, uh, reach out to your doctor and, and figure it out. And um, But just understand that it's not the magic pill and uh, there's still other work that has to be done by you and, and that will always, always, always be the case. Last question, number five here. And sorry, one more thought on, uh, on the last thing. Um, the previous podcast episode to this one, this one is one, 121, 120. I uh, spoke to Stephen Campolo. Stephen is, is a friend of mine and a trainer who he lost uh, over 100 pounds. And he used these medications uh, a while ago before they were before they were cool, <laughs> before they were popular. Um, and we spoke about it in that episode. So go back and listen to that episode if you haven't um, for, for his experience. And you know, reach out to people who, who have used it and, and just get ideas and, and whatnot. But uh, yeah, just nah, last last thing on that. Question number five. Last one for today. I stretch and foam roll a lot, but I always feel super tight. What am I doing wrong? Excellent question and not uncommon at all. To start to frame the answer to this, I think an important thing to consider is a lot of people have these feelings. They feel tight, they don't feel flexible, whatever, and they stretch and stretch and stretch and foam roll and use a lacrosse ball and like do all the things. If you've been doing it for, you know, however long it's been and you see no improvements, doing more of it is unlikely to give you the benefits or the 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 relief that you think you're looking for. So if you've listened to anything that I've ever said before, you know that I'm a big proponent of just like personal responsibility and radical honesty with yourself and, and awareness of what you're actually doing. So if you've been doing this for a long time, you've been stretching every night and foam rolling all the time and you're not getting the 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 flexibility or mobility benefits that you are seeking it's not working 
I don't know how else to say that. It's not working. So you've got to do something else. Now, what are you doing wrong? Passive stretching is fine where you, you know, like, let's just use like a, a hamstring stretch, you know, you sit on the ground, try and keep your legs straight and, uh, and try and touch your toes. That would be stretching your, your hamstrings primarily. Passive stretching is fine. Um, there's nothing wrong with it for sure, but it's typically not enough on its own to really improve, uh, flexibility that much. So I've done a whole podcast episode on, on strength, on, uh, mobility and stretching. And I don't remember what number it is now. I should have looked this up before, but it's somewhere back there. I'll put it in the show notes. Anyways, um, sometimes a lack of flexibility is actually weakness. We see this a lot in the hip flexors. So the front of your hips, you know, a lot of us have tight hip flexors or what feels like tight hip flexors because we sit a lot and our hips are always flexed. Um, but let me, I'm jumping around my thoughts here. The passive stretching is good, but it needs to be coupled with some strength in that new range. One mistake that I see really often with people stretching is they don't hold stretches for long enough. So we know that in the research, we know that you should be holding your stretches for at least two minutes and, you know, holding it for the 30 seconds that we were told in gym class and kind of like bouncing around and holding your breath and all that stuff. That's just not it. So go into the stretch, hold it for at least two minutes, try and really focus on breathing steadily as you're in that stretch and try and hold the position. Don't try and bounce and rock and move all around. The breathing thing is super important. And the best way that I can explain it and the way that it's been kind of explained to me in a, in a simplified version is like when you're doing something that's uh, difficult, painful, uh, scary, whatever, a, a big, not big, a typical response is to hold your breath. And this is sort of like a panic response of the body. So when you get into that big stretch, you'll feel it. You'll want to hold your breath. You go, huh? And you're holding your breath and you're like squeezing, doing the, the the Valsalva kind of thing. If you can breathe through that, that is also a quote unquote signal to your body that that position is okay and you are safe here and you can go there. So even just breathing through the stretch, and this is, you know, yoga, if, if anyone's ever done any type of yoga, there's always like an inhale, exhale component to the, to the way you move and the timing of the breathing with the motion and all that kind of stuff. It's not just hocus pocus. It's real. So, and anything is real if you believe in it. So, you know, that's just another sign note. Um, so when you, when you go into the stretch, you stretch through, you keep breathing and you hold it for at least two minutes. Now, after you stretch or even while you're stretching, you need to sort of put some force through those muscles to reinforce the the new newly unlocked range of motion. Now I said some kind of like woo-woo kind of stuff there, but what that means is this. You stretch through, your hamstring is open, it's nice and long, it's just stretched, it feels great. Now you've got to use your hamstring, squeeze your hamstring, and you can do this in that same position. Your you know, your hands are all the way out, you're touching your toes, you're gonna to drive your heels into the floor, and that's gonna squeeze your hamstring. That's using your hamstring, you're gonna and obviously the floor won't move. So you're gonna it's an isometric contraction, is what it's called. You're gonna drive your heel into the floor as hard as you can, hold it. You'll only be able to do a max contraction for like a few seconds. So you hold that, and now you're putting force through those muscles that you've just stretched and opened up. This force by muscular contraction 
is a way of the body understanding that, hey, it's okay to be here. We can build strength in this new spot. And now we have control over this range of motion versus someone just pushing you there. It's way easier for someone else to just, you know, grab your leg and, you know, bend it backwards over your head. Like, you know, most people can, can, can do that. It's very different to do it on your own. So you need mobility or you need strength with control and, or not strength. You need stretching with control. And that is what mobility training is. So what you're doing wrong in, in this scenario to, to this person is that you're just passively doing something to the tissues, be it foam rolling to like loosen it up or stretching to, you know, make it feel stretchy, whatever. And then you're not doing anything to kind of like lock that in. And I know that I'm using some very unscientific words and like a way oversimplifying it and doing that on purpose, but that's kind of what's happening. And that's how it, you know, makes sense to, to, to coach it. Um, so you got to open that space up and then you got to lock it in by putting some force through that. Now, another thing to consider here, and again, I spoke about this in that podcast episode that I will link in, in the, in the show notes is, um, strength training through full ranges of motion. Things like split squats, RDLs, your lat pull downs, your chest presses, like all every exercise basically. If you go through your fullest range of motion, you don't need to spend that much time specifically just stretching because you're doing the stretch with the strength and while you're training. Now, if you want to really expand your range of motion, then that's a different thing and you need to definitely specifically train for that. And that is a good thing to do, I believe. And actually more of my training is going to go in that direction over the next little bit as a side note, but whatever. Um, if you're training through full ranges of motion, feeling into that stretch and then strengthening through that stretch, that's where you're going to get a lot of the benefits. And so this will undo a lot of the need for like stretching at night just for the sake of, uh, of stretching, which is obviously not helping you other than some momentary relief. Stretching is not bad. It's part of it. You just gotta, you've just got to do it better. So Remember that the only way to speak to your body is by force. Your muscles don't understand English. They don't understand words. They understand the forces that are applied to them. Stretch, 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 stretch. That's fine. But now they have to be able to do something because muscles are active. They're not just passive structures that can be moved around and pulled around and maintain what you've done to them. You've got to do something, right? The same as lifting weights. When you lift a weight, that muscle is doing something and therefore it responds. So when you stretch it and you put some force through it, now it's going to respond. So what you're doing wrong, again, you're just stretching with no active component to that. And that is why you stretch and stretch and stretch and roll and roll and roll and basically end up in the same place and don't feel any better for it. So that's a tough, it's a tough cycle to get out of because it becomes part of your routine and maybe it's part of your warm up and whatever. I would probably scrap it for a bit, work on some more dynamic mobility stuff in your warm up, and then focus on training through full ranges of motion and getting a little bit more specific with your stretching and really putting some force through those end ranges of motion. And if you have questions on that, please just you know feel free to, to reach out to me because obviously I can't answer very specific questions on a podcast because I'm talking to myself and and not actually speaking to you in front of me. So, so that's that's how this goes. And, and you know, as much as I say the words "you" and all that stuff, don't, don't ever forget that that everything that I say might not be exactly 100% related to you in your situation. But you've got to you know put your thinking cap on and understand that there's like some context here that has to be that has to be understood. I don't have any, you know, black and white beliefs or absolute beliefs about fitness. Man, probably not. And, and, uh, you know, everything's got to be, got to be applied to, to your own life. So if there's anything unclear or you think like, oh, that doesn't apply to me, well then yeah, it probably doesn't apply to you. And like, I'm sorry. <laughs> so yeah, that's that. That was just a, a little aside that had to, had to throw in there. 
Um, but yeah, feel free to reach out with more specific questions on, on your own stretching and mobility. Happy to answer and help coach you through that. Um, because it, it can get quite, uh, quite specific in, in certain positions and stuff that you should or shouldn't be doing. Um, and that's all under 40 minutes. I think that's pretty solid for a Q and a episode for me. I think that's enough for today. Um, if you have any questions as always, feel free to send them anytime. I'll do the next Q and a episode in, uh, you know, three, four months. Um, but you, you know, you reach out to me anytime and, and ask me questions anytime. Always happy to help. Always happy to chat. Um, if you're looking for coaching and co- want to coaching through some of these things, whether in person, if you're in the you know Vaughn area around me here, or uh, or online programming, nutrition check-ins, form checks, all that stuff, send me a message uh, on on Instagram or through my website, and um, and we can get you better. Have a great rest of the day. Make sure you leave a rating and review on the podcast. By the way, if you haven't done that, please please do that. It, I know that I kind of just throw it in at the end of every episode. Um, but please consider leaving a rating and review if you've enjoyed this stuff. It really, really helps uh, grow the show and that helps me continue to, to do this and continue to, to give better information and better content and just you know, grow everything. So please take a couple, uh, couple seconds just to leave a little rating or review on whatever platform you listen to. Share the podcast with a friend, all that good stuff. Make sure you follow me if you're not already. And that's that. Go outside. Be a good person. We'll see you soon.